I'm Shelby, and I'm from Reynoldsburg, Ohio. So what was broken on my car was really unique, and they did a wonderful job at tracking it down and had it there the next day and fixed. 3C dealt with my insurance, so I just got to sit back, and they took care of everything. I had my car back within a week, then somebody else hit it, and now I find myself back at 3C Body Shop. I would recommend 3C to family, friends, and anybody who's been an ex. 3C Body Shop. Experience the joy of watching your friends and family's faces light up when you feed them wild game you harvested and made them delicious sausages or meat you barbecue and grill with the finest seasonings available. Visit our friends at Waltons.com to find everything you need to turn wild game into tasty meat snacks or spice up your barbecue with new flavors and seasonings. With over 500 seasonings to choose from, there's something that everyone will love. They even have step-by-step videos and how-to articles at Beachistics to help you go from animal to edible. Use coupon RANGERS15 at checkout to save 15% on your first order at Waltons.com. Waltons, everything but the meat. Hi, I'm Texas Rangers field reporter Emily Jones, and you're listening to the Rangers Report podcast. I've known, I've known more macho guys do more effeminate things in my life, for sure. The Ranger Report. Yeah, the Ranger Report. If you want the inside scoop, listen to the Ranger Report. Oh, here we go. This is the Ranger Report Podcast. News, insights, predictions, interviews, and information about the Texas Rangers from the major leagues to the minor leagues. And now, here are your hosts, Ben Dieter and C.J. Berryman. Welcome to the Ranger Report podcast. I am CJ Berryman. You can find me at CJB underscore RR on the Bird app. And we are joined today, or I am joined today, by none other than SI's Chris Halleck. How are you doing, Chris? Good. Thanks for having me again. Uh, baseball yeah, is the, back. The, the Ranger Report BFF. The Ranger Report BFF. I appreciate it. Uh, just glad that baseball is back. The the talks that we've had of the lockout and everything like that, all that is in the past. We can just focus on uh, hopefully an exciting baseball season and me not screwing up my fantasy baseball team too badly. <laughs> so talk about that real quick before we get into, into the, the brass tacks. Uh, you decided to play fantasy baseball this year. By the way, I have never played fantasy baseball because I don't feel like keeping up with that every day. Yeah. And that's the biggest reason why I, I, I haven't, I did it one time before. Um, it, it was fun for a little while. Um, but that was obvious. That was well before I was still, I think I was still in college at the time. Um, so it was obviously before I was a full-time reporter. So um, I, I didn't like, I obviously followed baseball at the time, but not as closely as I do now. Um, and it was just, uh, yeah, I was not able to keep up with it. You know, like, like I do, I, like I play fantasy football every year. I've yeah, uh, see, like fan, ran fantasy, my own league. Fantasy football is different because you get right. a, week, a week to do, to set your lineup and not every yeah. day. Yeah. Really? The, the only two, the only two, um, 
the, the only season that was really difficult at all with fantasy football was 2020 because of all the moving of the schedule yeah. and everything like that with all the all the games being moved around. But other than that, yeah, fantasy football is easy. Uh, I played it for a long time, know the strategies and everything like that. But fantasy baseball, I'm very much novice. I feel like I got a pretty decent team. I, I didn't. I'm not not that great on the pitching side. Um, but uh, I got some pretty good hitters. Jose Ramirez was, I had the fourth pick out of 10 that Jose Ramirez is my first round pick. Um, good choice. Good choice. So yeah, uh, I got Matt Olson as my first baseman, Marcus Simeon as my second baseman. So I'm pretty good on the, on the hitting side. Julio, uh, Julio Urias is my, um, is my number one pitcher, which isn't bad, but you know, I, you know, and I did, I did end up getting Jacob deGrom later in the draft, but obviously he won't you know be ready for a while. Well, yeah. So. He's not going to be ready. Yeah. That's, I guess he had a, a medical that's why I got him. Day. That's yeah. why I got him later in the draft. I think <laughs> I got him in like the eighth or ninth round or something like that. It was, it was pretty late. Um, but he was there. I'm like, you know what, you know, baseball is a long season. You know, I might be able to make a run in the second half. If I have guys like make, make, a, late, have, make a late season push. Yeah. And one, I also have Robert Acuna jr too, and he'll be ready. I think by the end of April. So uh, I got him kind of late too. So I, I got some, I got some good hitters in there. I got a few good pitchers. Um, uh, I, I think the only Rangers I have on my team are Simeon and I did get, did get John Gray from my pitching staff. Um, but I got him late. He was one of the last pitchers I'll, I, I added. So he was still there. I'm like, yeah, I'll go with the, you know, you know, potential of him pitching a lot better than, you know, he did in Colorado. So you know, we'll see how it goes, but yeah, well, I, I dif- just... dif- different stadium. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we got some transactions to talk about, but um, so Matt Bush is uh, he made the team. So mm-hmm. talk about what you saw with, with, with Matt and how cool that it, it's just a real cool story to me. Yeah. I, and I, I saw um, on, on social media, you know, we, you know, obviously you know, articles get shared on, on social media pages and everything like that. And um, I saw one person respond, you know, kind of a snarky way saying, I feel like this article has been written like three, three times that Matt Bush has <laughs> come back from an injury and came back and, you know, came back from an injury and made the roster. And I'm like, well, they, okay. they, they weren't wrong, but <laughs> right. But you know, it's, you know, the, the human element of that is look yeah. at what everything Matt Bush has been through to, fight back through the Tommy John surgery to come back and then to have the flexor tendon issue last year, go through the rehab, come back again. And yeah, he earned a roster spot and the Rangers are not doing any favors by putting Matt Bush on the roster. They, if they're putting anybody on the roster right now, it's, it's because they believe that they can help contribute to the, to the win column. Um, and Matt Bush is, I mean, he's pumping the fastball at 96, 97, um, he's the biggest thing that I think that they're really trying to get him to do in order to really hit that level, maybe even a higher level than he was when he was a key part of the bullpen in 2016, 2017. Off, off, you're going to go off speed, huh? Uh, no, I was just saying like, if he can, uh, if, if he can learn how to elevate the fastball better. Ah. Gotcha. Um, because no, he's got, he's got a, a good pitch mix, but he, he, Chris he's got a pretty Woodward good curveball. Got a pretty good curveball. Yeah, he's he's got a good curveball, but but Chris Woodward explained it like Matt Bush's fastball is so good low in the zone because of just, it's his release and the way he gets on top of the ball whenever yeah. he releases it that it gets that it gets that ride to the plate, it gets that spin to the plate, and he and it's just able to just 
stay on that same plane whenever it goes into the lower part of the zone. And it's a work. For, it, it takes extra effort for him to get that, to get on top of the ball the same way when he's trying to throw it at the belt or above the belt instead of throwing it at the knees. And so if he can do that, because his fastball will play in, you know, up in the zone, uh, it's a good enough fastball to do that. Not only velocity, but, um, but spin rate and everything like that too. So that's what the Rangers are hoping for. Matt Bush has been, you know, uh, they, they like what they've seen from him on that. So he's got the experience he's pitched in the postseason. you know, the good, good veteran guy to have in the bullpen. They wanted that last year, obviously he dealt with the flexor tendon issue last year. Hopefully the Rangers can, can get him to be healthy this year. Um, and he can be a, a good veteran presence for a bullpen. That's got a, got a lot of potential. Uh, it's kind of up in the air of just how, how, how the bullpen will perform just because there's so many unknowns in the bullpen, even with some of the veteran guys, you know, Greg Holland, like, is he going to be the all-star closer that he was before, or is he going to be he's, a shade he, of that? He, he's kind of my Ian Kennedy from last year. Uh, right, yeah. It's, and that's possible. But at the same time, there have been other guys who have come back who have had successful relief careers in the past who can't replicate it or, or, and aren't just aren't the same guy ever again. Um, then Howard Jonathan Hernandez and Jose Leclerc, both very talented pitchers. That was going to be my big question. So why is Jonathan yeah. Hernandez behind Jose Leclerc when he got injured well before Leclerc? Well, did? Leclerc got the got the surgery first. Right. So Leclerc, Leclerc got the so Leclerc got the surgery first. Then Hernandez got it, which is why Leclerc's timetable time is before Hernandez. But what was? Do you know what was delaying Jonathan Hernandez getting his surgery done? Uh, well, he they didn't get injured at the same exact time. I thought he was. I thought he was before. Maybe I'm. Mistaken. I well, no, no. Okay, so I'm trying to think back to it. So they, um, okay. I have to rewind my brain back to 2021 <laughs> and I don't, I don't like doing that because there wasn't a lot to remember from that. No. If, I, if, I, if I'm remembering correctly, whenever they first noticed something in, in, in Jonathan's elbow, it wasn't quite, they, they tried to do a certain rehab because it wasn't quite at the point where you're like, okay, you need Tommy John, like no ifs, ands or buts. It was kind of that in between, like maybe, like a, a platelet rich plasma injection can do something or this type of rehab or that type of rehab can help it. We'll see how it goes for four weeks. If, if the, if the tendon is sh- or if the ligament is showing the, the healing we're looking for, then you can avoid Tommy John. Cause if you can't avoid Tommy John, you want to avoid it right. because it's automatic 12 to 14, like pretty much automatic 14 months you're out. Yeah. Um, and so if they're like, okay, if we can sacrifice for because what's the difference, honestly, when it comes to a four week period, if you're about to be out for 14 months, no. you might as well wait the four weeks, try and see if that works. If it doesn't, okay, then just get the surgery. And that's what happened. They tried something for a little while to see if it would it worry. It didn't delay it so long. And so that's why Jonathan's just a little bit behind. I mean, and in, in all honesty, Jonathan will now, be eligible to come back before Jose because Jonathan was put on 60 day before Jose was. Okay. So, um, yeah, it, it's just kind of interesting how that will all work out. But, um, yeah, from what I remember, that's, that's what happened. Um, and Brock Burke was a surprise making the team. So what have you seen from Brock? Um, yeah, he was, I think of all the guys who did make the bullpen, I think he was the, the biggest surprise there. Um, they really liked, 
what he saw, uh, or, or they, they really liked what, what he was doing. They liked what they saw. <laughs> I was combining two different things here. Um, they liked what they saw from him on the mound, especially when it comes to the fastball. He, he, he had a good fastball beforehand, but it was like, I think like 94. No, not even that. High. I think it was like 92 or 93. It wasn't that big of a fastball, but he has a really, really good extension to the plate. Like it's one of the longest extensions in baseball. I think uh, from, from get, if I'm remembering getting get closer to the plate, right. With his and release. so that's there. Yeah, so it doesn't matter if it's coming at 92 miles an hour. If, if it's being released a foot and a half closer to the plate than most pitchers or I, I'm pulling that number out of my, out of thin air. Um, you almost said my, it, you almost said your yeah, ass. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I try to clean it up. Uh, so, you're on the razor report now, bud. You can, you can yeah. cuss all you want. But uh, no, so if they, uh, so if, if the, if the, if the ball ends up being released a lot closer to the plate, than the average major league pitcher, 92 miles an hour all of a sudden becomes 95 miles an hour because that's still less time for the hitter to react. Now, from what they were seeing from Brock in, in spring training was he's throwing the ball 95, 96. So he's throwing mm-hmm. it three, four miles an hour, fa- three, three to four miles an hour faster than he was before. Um, and it's just, and they said that, from what we're seeing, that's going to play not only in Arizona, but in big league ballparks. So they, they've always liked Brock. I mean, from the time he's just not been able to be healthy. Um, and so they really liked what they saw from him. Uh, they're going to put him in the, in a multi-inning relief role. Um, he'll get an opportunity to, you know, pitch an inning, you know, inning to two innings, you know, and, you know, we'll see what happens there. It's definitely an intriguing, uh, you know, if the big jump in velocity, if that's a big thing, you, you see that happen with certain pitchers. Charlie Morton goes from Pittsburgh to Houston. And then all of a sudden with Houston, he starts, you know, you know, in Pittsburgh, he was a ground ball pitcher, you know, throwing the sinker and the, and the curveball down, down in and the zone. And then, our, pitcher. <laughs> yeah, and then all of a sudden he goes to Houston and starts throwing the fastball 98 miles an hour up in the zone and nobody can hit him. Uh, so, um, yeah, I mean, it happens with some guys and, you know, who knows if that's going to be the story with Brock Burke or not, but definitely an intriguing story out of camp for sure. And then, uh, one of the big surprises was Spencer Patton not making the team. So talk about that and, and kind of what they're thinking was with that. And maybe Matt Bush kind of, kind of took a spot. Well, I, I, I think, you know, when you look at just about anybody on the roster or, or, or anybody who made the bullpen, whether that's Matt Bush or Greg Holland or Brock Burke or any of those guys that were kind of in the mix that did, weren't guaranteed a spot or were close to being guaranteed a spot, Spencer Patton, yeah, he pitched well last year. But listen, the, 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 the message is different this year, like being, being good enough. I don't think is going to be good enough anymore. I think they've really got to see, okay, who's going to really help contribute. And I don't think that's because they didn't think Spencer could help contribute. I just think that that means that they thought the 10 that they're sending to Toronto is the best group of 10. Um, now I think that, and they, and you know, Chris Woodward said that we're going to need Spencer at some point and, they, and it's good to have that kind of depth you know, mm-hmm. whenever, okay, you know, an arm goes down, he's going on the DL or on the IL and, and here we go, you know, okay, now, now we can bring up a Spencer Patton who was probably good enough to, to be on the opening day roster. But again, if they have too many pitchers, I mean, she, one of the, one of the 10 guys that's going to Toronto is going to have to be removed because Garrett Richards comes back when yeah. he, when he comes back, which could be as early as the, the angels series, which is, you know, next week. 
mm-hmm. you know, one of those guys is going to have to go. So even then, one of the 10 guys that you're going to see in Toronto and in, in the two-game series at home against Colorado, one of those guys isn't going to be there uh, because Garrett Richards is going to come back. And then, you know, one another guy goes down, then you have Spencer Patton. Then what happens when Jonathan Hernandez and Jose Leclerc are ready? What happens on May 2nd whenever you have to reduce the roster from 28 down to 26? It's good to have that kind of depth. And, and you, when you, so instead of it being like a, like a situation like, oh man, what are they thinking? Sending Spencer Patton down. I think, again, this might be the optimist in me. I think a Rangers fan should be like, wow, that's the kind of depth that we have right now. Yeah. Spencer Patton had a sub four ERA out of the bullpen last year, and he wasn't even good enough to make the opening day roster. Nick Snyder's throwing gas in AAA round rock, and he's not even one of the guys on the, on the opening day roster. You know, you have that kind of depth. Um, and so that's, that's a good thing for the Rangers to have. And I think that's why, while there's a lot of unknowns and there's a lot to be sorted out and, and what's going to be obviously a six month marathon of a season, you know, there's a lot to figure out, but there's a lot of potential in the bullpen. Yeah. And let's, let's talk about the lineup because it's going to look a whole lot different this year. And uh, we, we kind of talked about it last year of having a Nate low, a Nathan, Nathaniel low. Sorry. I got to make sure I say that Nathaniel low um, and Adolis Garcia uh, actually having some protection in the lineup. Uh, mm-hmm. Now they have it. So maybe that makes them better. I mean, I, that's kind of what I'm looking at it as. Well, there's a lot of variables that can go into any of these guys potentially taking the next step in their careers having a deeper lineup. Yes. That's a, that's a, that's a very, very big, you know, variable there. That's, that's, that might be the most impactful um, because you're not relied on to be, it's not only a lot of mental pressure. Okay. I have to, I have to get a hit here or I have to get on base here. There's not because the team needs me to produce like the team needs you to produce. doesn't matter what role you're in, but yes, the pre- the pressure goes down whenever you have, Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager and Mitch Carver and Cole Calhoun and Brad Miller and, you know, some experienced guys in that lineup who have some skins on the wall. You know, you don't, you're, you're not trotting out Brock Burke or Brock, uh, Brock Holton, Charlie Culberson, nothing against those guys. Those are very, very good role players, but that's exactly what they are. They're role players. Um, You're talking about having guys who have a lot of experience who, you know, Brad Miller has hit, had a 30 homer season. He's had it. He hit 20 homers for the, for the Phillies last year. Mm -hmm. He's accomplished some things. He look at Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon. It's, you know, it's spoken for there. Uh, I was actually going to bring, I was going to bring up Brad Miller and it looks like he's going to be your leadoff hitter and you get the slots against righties. Yeah. Against righties, against righties. Um, then probably Eli White. I don't think Eli White's going to be a leadoff hitter. No. Okay. I don't think, I don't think he's no. So, and even then I don't think Brad Miller leading off against righties is, 100% 100% guaranteed. I projected that, you know, on, on, you know, on inside the rangers.com. I did project that um, because it, it just seems like near the end of spring training, he, you know, Chris Woodward was doing that a little bit more often. Right. I asked him about it yesterday and he said, that's still, you know, a possibility um, kind of likes the way Brad Miller just attacks the pitcher. Um you could see it either way. You, you, I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised if the one thing we know about the lineup for sure is that um, Simeon Seeger Garver are going to be hitting in succession. It's just a question of whether they're going to be hitting one, two, three or two, three, four. 
Um, if they're hitting two, three, four against a righty, m- more than likely Brad Miller is the guy leading off. If it's uh, facing a lefty, more than likely you're going to have that be the one, two, three. Um, the Simeon Seeger Garber be hitting one, two, three, and then you fault the rest of the lineup the way you need to. Um, because a lot of the right handed hitters that would be hitting against a lefty are a little bit more inexperienced. The Nick Solax, the Eli Whites. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Adolis Garcia is even, um, still in, inex- you know, on the inexperienced side. So, um, yeah. And, you know, you want to protect the guys like Brad Miller and Cole Calhoun who don't handle left-handed pitching as well as they do right-handed pitching, obviously. So, um, th- that's kind of, I, I think you're going to see some, some shuffling with the lineup. I don't think even like Nathaniel Lowe and Adolis Garcia always hitting behind that, that trio is going to, is going to happen all the time. It's probably going to happen a lot more early often, uh, but it, it performance will dictate that. How, how does Nathaniel Lowe handle the, uh, the elevated velocity this year? Um, how does Adolis Garcia control the strike zone this year? Is he able to then clobber pitches that he does swing at in the zone? Uh, because that's not even a guaranteed thing. So well, yeah, Adolis showed a whole lot more patience in spring training this year. He he, he showed a whole lot more patience, yes. and that was something great to see because yeah, yeah it, he he, he it, likes to chase chase that high fastball, but this year let's uh, chase the high fastball, the, the the slider running away. Um, yeah, I mean the, the and I and I you know this is where I'm like, yeah, spring training matters, but it doesn't matter. You know what I'm like? It's so Adolis Garcia showing patience in spring training is a very, very good thing to see. But, you know, Chris Woodward has said it before. Once the lights go on and, you know, there's a third deck now and you're, you're in a big league ballpark that the, the, you got, you know, 40 to 50,000 people, you know, screaming and Roger center is going to be going nuts. It's going to be going crazy. Are you going to be able to carry that over from the little three to 4,000 crowds that were watching you in surprise to Roger center where they're going to be going bananas. Um, so are you going to be able to carry that over? Because there is that, <laughs> there is that factor that you have to play in. These guys aren't machines. They're, they're human beings. And, you know, there are factors like that, that play a role. And so um, if Adolis Garcia can carry that over into the regular season and become a, 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 a more patient hitter, I want to say patient, I want to say more disciplined hitter. Because he's he likes to swing the bat. He just he does. Yeah. He and does. The, the Rangers don't want him to stop swinging the bat. They just don't want him to swing it swing at balls that are outside the strike zone. Um, and that's that's obviously that, that's <laughs> if there was a a magic way to do that, then you can make anybody a good hitter if you can just right, get right. anybody to stop swinging. So that's that's obviously the big thing. Can Adolis Garcia become a more disciplined hitter? Can he lay off the pitches out of the strike zone, and then whenever they do come in the strike zone, he's able to make him pay. That's the big thing with Garcia. The big thing with we know that guy like Nathaniel Lowe, we know he can lay off the pitches uh, out of the zone because he's one of the better disciplined hitters in this lineup. And I'm, yes, I'm including everybody else. He is a very, very disciplined hitter. His chase rate is great. His walk his walk percentage is great. Can he handle the higher velocity? Can he hit the ball in the air more often? If he can do those two things, I think that's your breakout candidate for this year when it comes to the Rangers because. The power is there. Everything else is there. If he can just handle those two things better. And I think the Rangers have their first baseman of, you know, for the next several years, if that does happen. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, uh, The potential is there. Um, He's also going to get better defensively as well. But, um, but if you, if you, if you, if you have somebody who can hit, 
you know, over 900 OPS, you'll, you'll take average defense right? or even a little bit below average defense. As long as he, he as long as he makes enough plays at first base or he doesn't affect the defense of Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon and Andy Abanez or whoever else is playing third base, then that's all you really need. Hey, talk about uh, how, how cool it is that uh, Taylor Hearn's going to be starting the home opener. Man, yeah, it's really, really cool. Uh, Taylor's a good guy. He's he's always been, um, you know, you know, for for those of us who work in the media, you know, the, the the guys who are willing to to talk, willing to give nice, transparent, honest answers. Those are the guys who we appreciate. And again, we're we're not like you know being you know biased or you know towards any one particular player, but it's just it, it's why a guy like Jose Trevino was so so. Um, it was such a privilege to cover a guy like that because it didn't matter, you know, Hey, can I talk to you? Can I just ask you one question? He would usually make time, you know, and Taylor is like that too. He's just, he, and you see everything that he's starting, he's becoming more and more engaged in the community. Um, he uh, obviously really, really cares about this area of the Dallas Fort Worth Metroplex. He's from here. When you put all that together, he's starting the home opener. It's a really cool story. I, I know, that not only he's excited uh, from not only his own <laughs> from his own mouth, but his sister's Robin, you know, Rob, Robin's Robin's quite excited. <laughs> yeah. Robin's very excited about it. And then uh, I know Chris Woodward was really, really happy to be able to give him that honor too. So uh, it's a really cool story. Uh, um, you know, hopefully he's able to, you know, Taylor's usually pretty good about keeping his emotions and check on the mound. You know, I think that's going to be the biggest challenge for him. Uh, this year, uh, it might be the biggest challenge of his career so far because he knows, okay, I'm the hometown kid. I'm starting the home opener. I'm going to have a lot of friends and family there. There's a lot of people who are going to be watching me, wanting me to do well. You know, can he block all that out and get the job done on the mound because he's got the stuff to do it? And, you know, but still a really, really cool story. So Rangers fans should be, should be cheering, cheering for him on Monday for sure. Oh, we will be. And uh, let's talk about Dane Dunning. And how he's kind of been, it feels like under the radar. Yeah, I mean, so when it comes to Dane, I think you know we saw the potential last year for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he you know outside of Kyle Gibson, I think through like into August, you know, Dane was their most consistent pitcher. Like I said, probably outside yeah. of Kyle Gibson, he was just right there. He was able to take the ball every fifth day. It really wasn't until he dealt with a minor hamstring, I think hamstring or ankle, something like that. Um, he had something minor that that kept that had him miss one star, and then he had the COVID uh, IL stuff, um, and it, it just kind of got derailed once he got out of that rhythm. But also having to pitch on restriction last year and About do all that. seventy-five pitches. Is yeah, it was where they were at. Yeah. I think I think he went above eighty. A couple of times, I don't remember, but it was they definitely had him on a restriction last year just because they they wanted to take care of his arm. They didn't want him to go too far and put too much, you know. He was going from not pitching at all for a long time to you know you you can't you know ramp him up and have him throw 160 innings. Just yeah. irresponsible to do that. Uh, but after the kind of year he had last year, the you know the 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 the, the the limits are, you know, the governor's taken off. You can go faster than 80 miles an hour this time. You know, uh, you know, you, you can go a little longer in games. Uh, they're going to let him go. And I think, you know, with everything that he learned last year, this could be a guy that, you know, has the potential to establish himself as a, 
legitimate starter for the back of a road for the back of the rotation for when this team is ready to contend. Um, you know, a little bit unorthodox nowadays, because a lot of times you see high velo guys throw the fastball up in the zone. That's not Dane's game. Dane's game. He, he throws the sinker. Yeah. He kind of reminds me of a Kobe Lewis, you know, 90 miles an hour with the fastball. And then, um, also coming with some off speed, his slider is improving. Um, Mm -hmm. it just, uh, he kind of just reminds me of Kobe Lewis. Yeah. Uh, definitely got, yeah, kind of similar, uh, a a little bit, um, you know, obviously the sinker slider combo is a little bit different there, but, uh, um, yeah, I, I'm not saying it can't play nowadays because obviously it can play. Um, and I think, you know, Dane, you know, Dane knows what he is and knows what he does. Um, and I think that's you, whenever you have guys who are trying to be something or not, you know, to go back to the whole Charlie Morton situation, you know, he obviously, you know, was pitching one way for a while and it wasn't that way. And then he went to pitching another way and did a lot better doing that. Uh, Dane knows, like, this is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to pitch. And I think when you already know that you, you take away a lot of, you take away a serious mental hurdle when you're not trying to be something you're not. Um, because again, the trend nowadays, you got to throw upper nineties, you got to, you know, throw the the hammer, you got to throw the, the hard slider, you know, Dane's job, I, I'm going to throw the sinker slider. I'm gonna throw the cutter in on lefties. You know, they're just, you know, he, he knows exactly what he's going to do. And he's, you know, it's going to be about, the big thing for him is going to be how, how can he command the baseball? Uh, because if you're going to be that type of a pitcher, you have to be able to command the ball. You know, Greg Maddox is one of the greatest pitchers of all time because he could c- command the ball better than anybody. Greg um, Maddox's two seam fastball was just insane. Well, I, it I've was never, um, yes, he had nasty stuff too, for sure. But Greg Maddox could put the ball wherever, wherever he wanted. He wanted. Yep. And that's why he was, and why he's one of the greatest pitchers of all time. If Dane Dunn, I'm not saying Dane Dunning has to have Greg Maddox like command, but that's <laughs> it's, it's, it's uh, high acclaim, right? <laughs> no, but I'm, but it, the big, the big thing, the big thing for a pitcher like that, if you're going to be a sinker slider pitcher, command is huge for that. You have to have command if you're going to do that. And I, I think Dane has the capability of doing that. And we'll, we'll get our answer. Maybe not final answer this year, but we'll start to, that answer will become a lot more clear this year for sure. Well, thank you for joining the Ranger Report podcast. You are the Ranger Report BFF. So we appreciate it and giving your, your honest knowledge and, uh, Go follow Chris on Twitter and uh, he needs to be verified like now. (laughs) Thanks, man. Appreciate it. All right. Take care, buddy. All All right. Thanks for listening to the Ranger Report podcast. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, and at therangerreport.com.